City officials have extended the shelter stay deadline for migrants for a second time due to the weather. And the city council is taking up police arbitration again during its weekly meeting. Alders will be voting for a second time whether police officers accused of the most serious offenses have the right to bypass the police board and face open door proceedings. On the line to discuss this and other happenings in city politics are WBEZ city government and politics reporters Tessa Weinberg and Mariah Wolvel. Welcome back, Tessa and Mariah. Hello. Thanks for having us. Tessa, I'll start with you. The migrant shelter uh, time limit, that's been extended because of weather for the second time, as I mentioned. Now it's extended to February 1st. So just give us a sense of scope here. How many migrants are facing that deadline? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the city says that there are nearly 2,000 migrants who will have to leave city shelters by that February 1st deadline. Like you had mentioned, this is the second time it's been pushed back in the face of just frigid temperatures we're seeing, you know, icy conditions. And the city says that another 960 migrants or so are slated to then have to leave shelters on the 2nd of February. And they say in all of February next month that there will be a little over 6,200 migrants who have left city shelters, whether that's from, you know, finding a, a place of their own and resettling into an apartment or may, they might still be in need of shelter and have to return to the landing zone or they might be eligible for an extension. But we're basically going to have, you know, you know, thousands of folks um, coming up who are going to have to either leave city shelters um, and request placement again. And that's got a lot of both migrants and uh, volunteers who have been aiding migrants worried about what comes next, especially yeah. now that the city has paused kind of opening of new shelters and that folks are being sent to the landing zone, which is really, you know, warming buses that folks are having to sleep on. Yeah. I mean, and, and while we've, we've got this delay happening here, I've, I've just been wondering what's going to be happening behind the scenes in this in this time period, like whether there's any work being done to set up more structures or more support for migrants by February 1st, or have we just simply delayed their eviction and it's just going to be a chaotic February 1st instead of a chaotic, you know, January 22nd? Yeah, that's kind of what it seems to be at the moment. You know, the city has said they're not planning on opening, you know, um, citing budgetary constraints that they need to stay within the confines of the fiscal year 2024 budget. And so they're really focused on, on resettlement and quickly trying to free up beds, um, you know, that are currently existing shelters um, and they've there's been kind of some more back and forth we've seen just this week between the mayor uh, the mayor's administration and governor jb pritzker of you know once again both sides kind of, of pointing fingers as saying you know we need more help the city saying you know while we have you know taken on you know helping folks that we are just one city out of many in illinois and they've repeatedly you know called for additional assistance but um without new shelters opening and you know folks you know we have over fourteen thousand folks in city shelters you know it remains to be seen how the city's going to you know quickly make sure there's just even and space for folks and it's unclear you know if two thousand folks have to leave shelters by february 1st um, you know, I would be surprised if there's enough space, you know, on, on warming buses, the landing zone to, to house folks there. Some folks I should note um, when the uh, deadline was initially delayed, were uh, able to stay at the Herald Washington Library as a warming center. So perhaps the city will rely on kind of temporary measures like that. But it really remains to be seen. Uh, city officials are also under scrutiny over conditions at a Pilsen migrant shelter, including cockroach infestations exposed pipes with raw sewage. How are officials responding to that, Mariah? 
Yeah, so WTTW first reported and WBEZ also obtained these emails that show that Mayor Brandon Johnson and his administration were warned of these conditions that you kind of just listed at one of the city's largest migrant shelters in Pilsen months before several people were hospitalized due to illness and a five-year-old boy actually died there. The, the cause of the boy's death hasn't been determined and, you know, it's completely possible it, it wasn't related to those conditions that um, Johnson's team was warned of. Um, but in response to an email from Alderwoman Nicole Lee, whose ward oversees that shelter or who the shelter is in her ward, um, they responded in a point by point kind of detailed email. Um, and then once these emails came out last week, they defended those actions again and said, you know, we were we outlined that we were doing weekly exterminations. We we were housing so many people in this massive warehouse and we did what we could to move cots away from, you know, sewage drains. We um, we reiterated that migrants were getting three meals a day from the Greater Chicago Food Depository. And we also, you know, outlined that migrants could could, could submit their complaints via a QR co code or by talking to staff. Um, but, you know, this is one of, I think, uh, the biggest hiccups or blemishes on Mayor Brandon Johnson's record of trying to house migrants and it does it does illustrate how difficult it is to make do with these massive congregate settings mm -hmm. um, especially in winter when you know illnesses are going around but obviously you know cockroach infestations leaking sewage yeah. are unacceptable conditions and I think that there's there's more that's to watch on this story including what the cause of death was of the five-year-old boy who died, which, you know, is expected to, to come out some sometime in the future. Yeah. And city council meets tomorrow, Tessa. So I mean, what else will they be discussing? I'm sure migrant issues are on the agenda first and foremost. Yeah, there's not, um, you know, a, a main kind of um, agenda item related to migrants, but a downtown alderman, Alderman Bill Conway, um, you know, he has said he plans to introduce an ordinance um, that would block the city from um, spending more than a million in federal COVID relief funds without approval from the city council. And that kind of stems from the mayor's office. Um, they had used $95 million in COVID relief funds to help cover the costs um, for caring and housing migrants. And, you know, some city council members have reacted to that saying there needs to be more transparency that if the city is going to be spending that much, they should have, you know, some, some oversight into that. And so we'll see if that gets introduced tomorrow. If it does, it would still need to be, you know, heard in committee and work its way through the process. But we are seeing, you know, some older persons really starting to, um, you know, want to, to see more transparency in just how the city's spending on all this is going. Let's turn to another story that you recently covered, Mariah. City council's calling for a ceasefire in Gaza, but the vote was postponed. Why? Sure. So the vote would have taken place tomorrow, but 28 alderpersons signed onto a letter asking for the delay um, because the council will also be considering a resolution to honor International Holocaust Remembrance Day. It's the 79th anniversary of the liberation of the Auschwitz concentration camp, and that's on Saturday. And so um, Deb, Alderwoman Deb Silverstein, the council's only Jewish member, said she didn't want um, the heated debate um, that would inevitably come on the resolution to take place the same day that she'll be inviting Holocaust survivors 
to the council chambers and didn't want those um, guests to witness the debate on the resolution or the nearly, you know, four month long war on Gaza. Uh so we've seen cities and towns across the country pass resolutions calling for a ceasefire like Detroit, San Francisco, Atlanta. What exactly do these resolutions serve to do, just so we're clear? Sure. So this would be a non-binding resolution. Obviously, um, the Chicago City Council doesn't have control over foreign policy or, you know, much influence even over the federal government. Um, the resolution sponsor, Alderwoman Rosana Rodriguez-Sanchez, says she wants to send a message to the, to the Democratic Party as she thinks what would be a critical time when the DNC, the Democratic National Convention, is coming to Chicago. Obviously, this is a wedge issue among the, in the Democratic Party, and she wants Chicago to stand firm in, you know, saying that this war is unacceptable and um, that Chicago stands with a ceasefire. And she wants the city to say that, particularly at a time when um, it will be the it will be the landscape for the for the national party um, mm -hmm. come August and. You know, on top of that, um, if you, I think, it, if you're a person who wants to see a ceasefire in Gaza, then um, you look at anything that you can do to apply public pressure to federal officials. This letter, this resolution would be sent to President Joe Biden and Vice President and Illinois' congressional delegation as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you report that some progressive Jewish organizations condemned the uh, attempt to delay the vote, right? What did they have to say? Yeah, so they had said that, um, you know, it was, they called it a disgrace and they, you know, used words like disgusting to, um, for, for Alderwoman Deb Silverstein and other older people to sign on invoking the Holocaust as a reason for delaying such a resolution and um, Jewish, you know, progressive Jewish groups like Jewish Voice for Peace Chicago said that they believe the Holocaust is the, you know, perfect um, opportunity, Holocaust remembrance is the perfect opportunity to stand up and call for a ceasefire for what they called an ongoing genocide. And so um, I, I think that they see it counterintuitive to use the Holocaust or to say that um, Holocaust remembrance would, um, you know, prevent us or conflict with a, a ceasefire resolution. I mentioned earlier, Tessa, that alders will be voting for a second time on how cases involving cops accused of the most serious offenses will be handled. Remind us what's bringing about that potential change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so an independent arbitrator has, you know, affirmed and reaffirmed already that um, state law guarantees that when Chicago police officers are recommended for firing or suspensions over one year, that they have a right to take that case into an arbitrator um, and have those proceedings happen behind closed doors. Um, the city council has already um, previously rejected um, a projected that, you know, private arbitration agreement last month, um, or well, maybe even more than last month now. Um, but, uh, and so now it's scheduled to come up for a vote again tomorrow. And um, it's, you know, we'll see which way it goes. If the city council were to once again, you know, uh, redress this arbitration agreement, it's likely going to end up in court where city attorneys have already, you know, forecasted it would probably be an uphill battle. Um, and so we'll see kind of where things fall and, um, you know, whether a lawsuit is kind of impending. Yeah, the FOP wants to keep these serious misconduct proceedings out of public view. I think we know why. But I mean, how are they reacting to this second vote? 
Um, yeah, I haven't seen much yet of how they're reacting ahead of this vote, um, but I'm sure we will see, um, you know, members there in, in force tomorrow. That was something we saw um, at the initial vote that there was, you know, you could see lots of um, CPD members there in the audience, um, you know, the FOP president. Um, so I'm sure they will be there to make their voices heard. Um, that was something we also heard from older persons who were supporters of of um, you know wanting to see this agreement adopted, noting that um, you know things might get delayed for years if it ends up in court. I'm wanting to see resolution now. But however, you know many older persons saying you know it's worth fighting for transparency and trying to continue to negotiate. We'll leave it there for now. Tessa Weinberg and Mariah Wolf will cover city politics for WBEZ. Thank you both.